when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is June 30th, 2017, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 76. Episode 76. It's us. It's me, Austin Walker. That was Patrick Klepek yelling a second ago for some reason. I'm not quite sure what the reason Look, was. What, you're allowed to get psyched at the beginning of a podcast, but no, I can't fine. bring the noise? It's fine. You're allowed. You're allowed to get psyched. Why are you psyched? psyched. Why are you psyched today? Danielle Rando, are you psyched? I'm so psyched. That's good. It's good I'm to be psyched. Super psyched. <laughs> not as psyched it's as like Patrick. The, it's but... like the last major thing we have to do, and then like we're coasting for the rest of Friday. Ba- basically. We have four-day weekend. Four-day weekend. Oh, my God. Four-day weekend. What are you doing for the four-day weekend? <laughs> Call in and win tickets to the Mr. Worldwide Pitbull Show. Oh, where Pitbull is going to be playing Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. That'd be cool. I would watch. I no. would watch a celebrity like Twitch stream that was just a bunch of yep. like Pitbull esque celebrities. Cisco. Who else would? Who else? Would, Cisco. Cisco falls uh, into Pitbull like for you. Place. Fred. Fred, <laughs> Dur- Fred Durst. Fred Durst is no Pitbull, sir. Uh, yeah, I don't one know of the this. several of the members of Slipknot. In costume as Pitbull? No, they're just part. They're just in their part, own. They're, they're in their streaming. Where's the Pitbull? Where's the Pitbull here? That's what I need to know. What's the What's the Pitbull angle on Slipknot? I think I'm just. I want a bunch of shitty celebrities playing <laughs> Battlegrounds. I'm gonna okay, put this on the okay. internet, and people are gonna be mad at you for shit talking Pitbull. Pitbull <laughs> brings joy to people. He likes butts a lot. I believe. I read there's that. A, there's like multiple. I mean, so does Cisco. There's multiple you know, layers fair. of irony going on right now. Okay. Like I can't. Okay, I can't. Like an onion. I can't deal. I can't deal with the onion. The onion. Onion-y. <laughs> the onion-y. Yeah, there it is. Uh, it is June thirtieth. It's the end of June. We've made it through June. That means we we are now kind of out of the shadow of E three and into the summer proper, which means that we are maybe in a little bit of a summer slump in terms of what new game releases are out there. There's a couple new things. There's a couple new things. Um, I, I played a little Ever Oasis. I, I don't oh. think that that's super good. Mike Diver wrote about it, uh, for the, for the site. And it's just like not super charming. I don't even want to like, I, I want it to be really what is charming. It? I don't even know what it is. So it, it's by one of the, one of the people behind the, uh, Mana series. Um, and it is oh. like an action RPG with some kind of town building elements. You build out a, uh, like a, an Oasis kind of, trading post by bringing in new like citizens who then open up shops and it just doesn't have it it just doesn't have the like charm of something like fantasy life or dark cloud or you know similar games Ah. that are about building out your home and then going kind of diving into a dungeon rune factory like there's a bunch of games that that do charm that do that sort of like you're building a place and also 
you're going out into the world with a sword and shield and you're fighting stuff and it just doesn't have it and that, that was frustrating for me but but other than that i i kind of i don't know that i've been playing anything else super new and i i don't know the schedule just seems kind of light right now what are y'all up to well it's it's perfect for dipping your toe into a little dlc I oh think. that's like, true yeah the the dlc pool you know if you want to have a little pool party the dilk pool with your yeah, the, <laughs> the Dilk Pool. Maybe it's a soft C. Dils. The Dils Pool? Is that what you call it? Is it the Dils Pool or the Dilk Pool? The Dils Pool of Batwa. Uh, <laughs> right. Breath of the Wild. Uh-huh. <laughs> DLC came out today, and uh, I bought it twice because I have this game on my Switch and on my Wii U. Ah. My like main playthrough, my playthrough yes. is on my Wii U. Yes. I played this entire thing on the on the whatever gamepad, the, Wii U gamepad. Wii U gamepad, yeah. So Ugh. this DLC is the is the hard one, right? Is that yes? It's like hard mode. There's a master quest. There is a tingle outfit, and there are secret surprises. I have not yet uh, gotten the secret surprises because the thing I'm most excited about, and the thing I've been playing uh, on and off kind of today, is the has tingle been the, costume. You love the tingle costume. You know, I truly am tingle. That is my my fursona. I think <laughs> is uh, did I do it right? Mm, is that- I think it's your tingle sona. I think we all have a tingle sona, and it's just tingle for all of we us. We all have a little tingle. You all got a little tingle mm-hmm. in you. Yeah. So what's the, the thing? Actual, what's the actual thing that you're excited about? The actual thing is the, and I forget exactly what it's called, but it's a map function that shows you everywhere you've been. It, it shows you every path you've called taken. Called the hero's path, actually. So there hero's you go. Hero's path. I was close. Uh, very, very happy about it. I have found, and, and I have put in close to 200 hours to this game. I haven't actually looked at my whatever actually tells you how many hours, Mm -hmm. but I have close to everything, basically, (laughs) and have been also just playing a lot of it. But you haven't beaten the game, right? You haven't beaten Ganon? No, I've not actually been to Ganon yet, which, you know, I should. I have a weird thing with finishing things that I really like. It's it's hard sometimes. You just just want to spend a lot of time in that world. I understand that I probably should just do it because you can just kind of go back to the game. Mm -hmm. It's not like it really changes. So I will. I will probably do that this weekend. Uh, but I, I won't put it to bed because the DLC is so much fun and I am finding so much new stuff. I found like a new, sh- um, not just a shrine, but a new, like a special fountain. I don't want to say too much, oh, but there are special fountains. Yeah, in the game that, that you can uh, sort of find there's there's like a special significance to it and it was really exciting and this is like a whole section of the map basically in the jungle area, in the jungle biome that I was like, oh my God, I've never been here. That's the best I, feeling. You know, Oh, it's it's so so good. Did the new map DLC like let you find that because you realized you'd never been to a certain place? Exactly. Yeah, That's and really I just cool. put a waypoint there, and I was like, oh yes, perfect. I can I can now find every little corner I haven't been to right. because I was actually going for that already even before this this came out. I was sort of like, all right, I want to name everything, every like body of water. <laughs> I, I want to make sure I find everything that has a name on this map, right. and I was doing that just manually, and that got a little tedious after a while. Yeah. So. I this bet. has been a godsend. It is it is so much fun to see anything I haven't seen yet. And and just really, I just, not like I needed an excuse to play more of this game because I've already put so, so much time into mm-hmm. it. But, oh my God, uh, it's just wonderful to be in this world and to find all those little hidden nooks and crannies have and you, to have that excuse. Have you found the, like, the trial of the sword or whatever, which is like the new... I know where it is. Okay. It's strongly hinted at. I have the special sword that it is, uh, that's part of the... Sure. The thing, <laughs> um, 
I haven't gotten it yet, but that's gonna be a that's gonna be a this weekend thing. Mm. I'm very excited. Gotcha. That's exciting. I'm, I really want to yeah. dig into that. And you haven't checked out Master Mode, right? Not yet. I will though. This is um, for people who don't know. The Master Mode is the hard mode that this game is adding. And I'm just gonna read this from this is from a Forbes article breaking down what everything you need to know about Zelda Breath of the Wild's new Master of Trials DLC. Uh, so here, here's the stuff. It's not just buffing enemy stats. It's difficult enemies appear in new locations, such as, uh, there are Lynels on the Great Plateau now. Oh my god. Which is- Really? A, yeah. Uh, enemies are ranked up, so traditionally red bacoblins are now blue, etc. Enemies have new tricks up their sleeves, like health recovery. They'll also spot you from further off. Nintendo is also promising other higher level enemies that you won't encounter in normal mode. Um, you also only get one save file and one auto save file. Uh, and also there are floating rafts holding enemies and treasure chests, which have been spotted across Hyrule. So that's exciting. I want the Lynels, but I don't know if I want everything else. I want that whole, I want it all, baby. I want, yeah. like, I want it to all be right. difficult. I want it to be, yeah, like I'm, I'm, this makes me want to start over and beat this game again, which is not oh, a man. thing I ever do in my life. But yeah. here we are. Here we oh, are. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's hard to. It's hard to not uh, just be very hyperbolic, but this game really, oh man, yeah, it, it has a lot. It has a lot of layers. You know, back to the onion thing. It's there's a lot of layers you gotta there. Pull those layers, layers off and reveal apparently a red Nintendo Switch shirt for Link, which now is also on the Great <laughs> oh, Plateau. Yeah, that's uh, part of the hard uh, mode. You actually have to finish uh, the game only wearing the Nintendo Switch shirt. The next vote for, for permadeath only wear the Switch shirt. So, oh god. Gives you negative stats. Uh, oh, the other the other new thing too is you can find a travel medallion, which is yes. you can create a custom fast travel location anywhere, which is neat. That seems that seems kind of very cool. useful. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, let me know more about that next week for sure, because I mean, I'll, sure maybe will. hopefully I'll have time to dig into that myself and and report back on my end. Patrick, what about you? You've been playing any video games? That's man. I just just murder. Just murder. That's, just, it. That's <laughs> it. Player unknown battlegrounds. Player unknowns murder. Grounds. Murder grounds. Pitbulls on none murder grounds. That's okay. it. I I, yeah. I feel like this is the game that we have now started playing in our free time. Patrick. Well, that's what that's that's the difference. Is that for a couple of weeks I thought, well, I'll I'll only play when I'm playing with Austin yeah. in the morning, which no. started as a feature that was it'll be one run that goes for like yeah. 15, 20 minutes. What fools then you were. Quickly <laughs> ballooned into something that you know goes for essentially till they kick us out of the room. Yep. Um, <laughs> that you record in, uh, and now I have found myself in like the last two or three, a little before E three. Um, I've started playing it at like it becomes the game I play for an hour and a half, two hours at night. Yeah, the, before the time bed. That I have before I have to go to bed. Um because it's I start not thinking, a good bedtime game. I want to put that out there. No. It's not Oh I'm staying up so much later than I intend oh. to. Like I have a, I've been very oh, no. disciplined since my daughter was born because losing that discipline is 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 punishing. Yeah. Uh, I am always try to be in bed at midnight because if I have to get up in the middle of the night or, like, if other things, like, occur, like, it's going to disrupt my sleep schedule and, uh, that, especially with early in the week, that can cause a real problem. Sleep is good. Sleep like, is great. Sleep. It's important. Yeah. Um, yeah, Danielle, of course, would, uh, be on pro, the pro sleep train. Um, <laughs> and I've started playing more of that. I'm starting to play with more friends and, like, my thought being, 
like what I'm learning and having experience with at night will you know hopefully feed into the stuff that we do in the morning and I this has become my game like that's like the only game I've tried to break it I I, I saw what Mike uh, wrote about this game called uh, Get Even um, say uh, a Namco uh, it's published by Namco it's developed by some newer studio it's kind of a uh, throwback sort of like uh, B game, like not B game in that it's like a B movie sort a of B like movie schlocky. The game, it's, I got you. B movie exactly. with, with Jerry Seinfeld. It's, it's, it's more that like it kind of you know has larger aspirations than maybe its mechanics can pull off, mm-hmm. which is the sort of game that we don't really see as much anymore. And I was like, I should play a different game to like find other things to write about and 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 not play Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. And then I'll play it for twenty minutes and go, that's twenty minutes in which I could have played Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. So I'm just. <laughs> I just at this point I've just decided that's in. the game. I've just given in. Like at some point the fever will break on this game in a way that it, it does on in any game that you play for. Yeah. I mean at this point I'm probably you know you know forty fifty hours in that game and that seems I feel like I've barely scratched the surface yeah. of it I'm even though I'm hours put... in and it, yeah like you it feels like that's nothing. It feels like partially because I have friends who are just getting chicken dinners left and right. And uh, mm. which which is uh, terminology in Player Unknown's Battlegrounds for getting a win. When you get a win, it says winner, winner, chicken dinner. Um, and I've gotten two so far, oh. but two in fifty three hours is not very many. Like no, those matches take like, at most forty minutes. So and that's if you survive, you know, roughly to the the final yes. uh, bits. Like you can, you know, anyone that's watched our streams knows that sometimes. Um, you know, you're often rewarded for going into high traffic areas because you can both. Uh, take out pe- the high traffic areas tend to have the best loot, and so you can both loot from corpses. And also, if you're able to take out folks, you can, uh, you know, f- discover that loot for yourself. Um, so matches can end, you know, minutes uh, in, or it can go as long as forty. And so over fifty three hours, you know, you've probably played a hundred, you know, like two hundred matches, probably. Yeah, like yeah, that probably seems like about like about right. And I find like I'm I'm still learning things. Yep. I feel we were talking about this when we were playing this morning that. I'm so, I'm over I long over the original like the the hump of just wrapping my head around the base like I always kind of know what to do like I know the arc of a match I know sort of what I want to do on like a larger level but there are still so many moment to moment minute to minute situational things and sort of like emotional and psychological things that I'm figuring out both in terms of interactions with players and in terms of how I interact with the world and how I interact with the people that I play with and right. that my interactions with people like you are a lot different than <laughs> when I'm playing like for the first time with Alex Navarro solo. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. like we don't we don't have the rapport in terms of playing that game. And so right. it's just all that stuff I'm still learning so much. I played with three of my friends last night. I played with uh, two other members of Friends at the Table and I played with uh, another friend of mine just from Twitter and the internet. And I'd played with the two other people from Friends at the Table before, but I hadn't played with the other internet person. And the other internet person was a way more aggressive player than my other friends were. Um, and I, you know, I love all these people, but it was one of these things like, oh shit, like this is not maybe, like, our styles are just not quite meshing yet. We need more time to like figure out how to be the right amount of aggressive versus the right amount of like, uh, kind of conservative. 
And right. in the end, we still, we ended up finding our, like, the first game went bad. Like, the first game just it was bad. The second game, we ended up getting this great moment, um, of, so in the, in, for people who don't know, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds takes place on the same map every game. It's this huge island. Um, you know, it's, it's actually a really big island. Maybe huge is the wrong word. Like, if you have a car, you can get across it pretty quickly, but it's still a pretty sizable island that's divided or that, that is filled with all of these interesting locations, right? So there's like a city that's flooded underwater. There's a power plant. There's a military base. And it has that great kind of, uh, competitive multiplayer thing of like everybody just gets the terminology where you go oh do you want to do a tunnels game oh do you want to <laughs> do you want to do a go to the power plant do you want to do where do you want to go where military it's really spicy base. military base yeah. right oh. uh, and in this case there's a quarry that i'd never really been to before it's towards the southwest i'd driven past it a bunch and seen it on the map is like a kind of like weird like a striation of of rocks and stuff on the map but i'd never actually gone to it before and so finally we came to it from the from the eastern side and what ended up working really well was at, by this point, we kind of found our, our, uh, the way to mesh together so that the mm-hmm. super aggressive guy was like up on the ridge looking down, uh, while the more conservative players were like keeping low. And then like I was kind of in the middle zone because that's kind of where I'm at in my arc with player unknowns battlegrounds. And between the <laughs> three of us or the four of us, we were able to like get sight on these people and ended up having this really cool, firefight across like different layers because the quarry is like it's a quarry so there's like it's a long uh uh kind of crater in the ground that then has levels that go up right so there's like oh the up a little level and then like flat cliff face and then and then another levels out again and then another flat cliff face and we ended up having this amazing gunfight that felt like something out of a movie it felt like something out of <laughs> like a, a book about you know what i mean like i could imagine reading uh, a Tom Clancy novel about this gunfight or, or seeing the, the action, the summer blockbuster action movie where those three layers are like the Jason Bourne movie or the, the James Bond movie where that's how the firefights happen. And that's part of why I just love this game so much is that when it happens right, the combat does not just feel like the way Call of Duty combat feels, the way Battlefield combat feels, partially because there's just death. Like you die, you've, you have to start a new run, but like, just being able to be like, okay, the territory is broken up in this way, and the combat just f- ends up feeling so cinematic, or the opposite, which is you get shot from somewhere and you don't know where it comes from. But I kind of like <laughs> both of those things a lot. I had this uh, a moment when I played this more. I, you know, my best run happened before playing with you. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I was just getting kind of getting warmed up um, before uh, work, and uh, so I was playing solo. I wasn't playing. Um, uh, with a group, like I guess for people that aren't fully aware, like you can play solo in which everyone is on their own. You are not mm-hmm. with partnered with anyone else. You can play um, duos in which the entire map is groups of two, in which you can either play with someone um, that uh, you've you know your friend on Steam, or you can get matched up with a random person and play with them. Although I've never done that, and God willing, I would never will uh, do that. It doesn't <laughs> seem like a great way to play that game. Um, and then there are squads, um, which I've often played in groups of three, yeah. but that means you're often going up against groups of <laughs> four. Um, because just because you have three doesn't mean you're matched into other groups of three. It just means you are disadvantaged. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and so I was playing uh, a solo game, and um, I'm, there was a sequence towards the end where... Uh, the I, I just I was really advantaged in terms of how I was approaching where the the circle's finishing. We were down to about like eleven people. Um, I was getting shot at, and I jumped into the water. And they clearly didn't have a good sense of where I was. And so I, I if you crouch underwater, you can kind of just swim underwater for about 30, 40 seconds. And I just hung out there, mm-hmm. and then. By that time, everyone had rushed over and was up on the top of this hill. Um, and the hill was uh, steep enough that I could slowly crawl my way up. 
um, and kind of watch things play out um, without actually getting too involved. I could take pot shots. I killed two people as they were kind of trying to move into position. But anyway, um, within a couple of minutes, the circle had gotten – I mean, it was, I mean, the size of my head, like it was basically the, like it was incredible. There was nowhere to go. It was one-on-one and both me and the other player were prone. So we're both laying on the ground. And if either of us moved, it was going to give away our position. In in Battlegrounds, uh, you can both look around by, you know, shifting the mouse or, or, you know, moving on the keyboard. Um, you can also hold alt and you can look around you without actually shifting your position. So that often you want to be not moving. So you're not getting any sort of uh, movement patterns away. Uh Um, but you can still look around you 360 degrees and get a sense of, of what is actually happening in the space around you. Neither of us wanted to move. And I found myself paralyzed. I'd never been in this Often when I'm playing the game, I can look back on what yep. have I done in the past? Like, how did we approach the situation before? That didn't go very well the last time. I never used grenades. Hey, maybe we <laughs> should try that this time. I've never – I've been number two. I've never gotten a chicken dinner uh, solo. I've only done it with um, oh. a duo. And so I just sat there not – I didn't know what, you didn't to, know what do. to do. Yeah. I had no uh, – no tactics, no right, strategy, right. no vocabulary. And, like, you hadn't out. failed even previously in a similar situation. Because, like, that's a, a huge part of this is, like, well, the last time I tried this, I did blank, and that didn't work out, so I guess I'll try why, you know? Like, and that is such a huge thing. And if you don't have those experiences, you just don't get better. And and so what ended up happening was I just sat there and thought, okay, maybe he's across the way, maybe he'll blink first. And, and all, one of the things we talk about a lot when we've been – playing is is both of you and I tend to play a little too conservative and yeah. like need to find moments to uh, produce to be aggressive because you want to produce you want the other person to blink right. um, and so right. you want to you know charge them or or knock them off right. um, so like, psychologically there was a moment yesterday when I did the stream yesterday where I had an Uzi with like a silencer and a stock on it so it was like I had it upgraded like an extra clip or whatever like an extended clip but the target that was in front of me was really far away um and I knew that if I charged at him to get into range there would be just no way for me to get close enough without them seeing me first and then shooting me so I just threw a grenade vaguely at them and that drew their attention long enough for me to close the distance and like get the shots in and it just sometimes that's all it takes sometimes all it takes is like Throw a little, you know, throw a little oil onto the pan. Make, make something splashy. Mm-hmm. Make, get some, make a distraction. There have been lots of times when I've just said, Patrick, start shooting. Like, you're not, I'm, I'm being pinned down. Just start shooting in the air. It will throw them off. And that has saved my life so many times. And so I'm sitting there, uh, not showing what to do. And the person stood up, saw me on the ground, shot me in the head. And it was over. Like, like, all that work, like, all that tension, like, over in an instant. And the lesson I took from it was, well, I should have done what that person did was take, like, there's no, there's not a lot of strategy at this point. Like, yeah. you're just hoping you're going to stand up and be facing the correct direction where you'll be able to see someone. Mm-hmm. Because that at least gives you a fighting chance that maybe you'll be facing the right way and be able yeah. to pull your gun out and fire. Whereas all I did was sit there and ho- hope that they made a mistake. And often <laughs> waiting for others to make a mistake is how you get yourself into yep. a trap in which you don't um, – Sometimes you have to produce opportunities for yourself as opposed to waiting for them to present themselves. And I don't know. I've just I, well, I've like, never – There aren't ugh. a lot of games that do that or that demand that no. of you. Or sorry, there are, but they're not the sorts of games that you and I often play. Correct. Like I don't know. Like, Danielle, you watched me play yesterday 
And yeah. a, a thing that I was thinking about a lot while I was wa- while you were watching me play with like this different audience, right? It was just like I wonder if Danielle is seeing Breath of the Wild in this. I'm wondering if you're seeing like that style of open-ended I need to find a solution for this problem and that solution isn't just fast action like good good accuracy it isn't just a gunfight um it's like actual problem solving yeah i i definitely did and and it's very weird and interesting but the way that you're describing it patrick and the way you were both describing it a little bit earlier on <laughs> And of course, I'm going to bring it back to this, but it reminds me of the way you train with like training partners in MMA and and grappling class. Like looking for openings and having sort of false openings Mm -hmm. the way you're describing it right now is exactly what that game is all about when you're actually sort of grappling with someone. It's described to me by people who know a lot more what they're doing about like trading vulnerabilities and sort of Mm. baiting people into making a move with vulnerabilities and then attacking that and and knowing how to defend that, which is really interesting to me. And it's also very, very close to what you were talking about with like, oh, you're playing with a new person and you're both getting so into this game that you're you're sort of learning those nuances and and sort of getting this higher level of the game. And it's so different with other people. And you have to sort of learn their boundaries and also learn what they're comfortable with and how they play. And it's Man, it's so fascinating. This game is fascinating. The thing for me yeah. is that, like it's I'm I'm trying to make sure that I don't just say, "Oh, this game is one of it one uh, of a kind" because I I I mean I do feel like that. I feel like that. Um but sure. I also know that there are lots of people for which this sort of experience does come from other games and has come from Dota and from League of Legends and from anything uh, high enough level yes, when you chess. get high enough level in a competitive game exactly right. you're going to feel that way right yeah. about about the give and take and sort of what it does and but what it does This is do. just the first one that's brought me in in this way to yeah. where like if we finished all of our work today, I would so happily just play more of this game instead of going out to dinner with friends. Or, you know what I mean? Like it, that's where <laughs> right. I'm at, and I'm 53 hours in, which again does not happen that often. Like I, I've loved shooters before. I like Destiny a whole bunch. I like the moment-to-moment feeling of that game. I, you know, I, I played a lot of Halo in my time. I played a lot of Call of Duty in my time. But there's never been anything where I'm like, all I want to do is play another 30-minute round of this thing. You know, and I, I it's interesting the the group dynamics I find fascinating. Like that's something that you know, like you and I have developed over uh, time as we've played mm-hmm. you know uh, dozens of hours uh, of this game together. And like I, I w- the way we play is we uh, other than being bad, yeah, um, that's one is, but also like we both have a lot of input on the strategy. Like we there's a lot of like right. give and take on what we're going to do next. Whereas. Um, uh, we uh, last week we played uh, with, or last week two weeks ago we played with Will Smith, yes, um, a former uh, a colleague of ours um, who now does a VR show called The Foo Show. Mm-hmm. Um, find it on Steam, um, and he knows a lot more what he's doing, and he's also very good about um, giving not orders, but no orders. So like yeah, he's, he gives orders. He, es- he essentially takes over, and it's, uh-huh. it makes sense that he should take over because he knows more. He he has a much better understanding of the map of the of the meta. If you aren't aware of like the term meta, it's like the larger sort of like strategies or like patterns that are playing out across the game um, that he just pays a closer attention to or is just more cognizant of, especially in the moment, than I am. And so I actually part of the reasons I enjoy playing with him is I'm actually okay sort of like being subjugated and sort of just told like, hey, go do that, go do that. Because it's, he, it's, he's correct, and it's actually fun to be told, hey, go up on that tree. I'm like, all right, like yeah, I'm, I feel like tree. I'm – 
I feel like I'm actually part of a squad in which, like, this person, it's like when you, you know, when I'm playing, uh, you know, a video game in which I'm in charge of a squad and I'm, like, mm-hmm. assigning, like, go to this way, go that way, like, do this thing, do that thing. Um, I feel a little bit like that when I'm playing with Will because he has such a command over the game that I don't feel like I'm being told what to do in a sense that, like, oh, like, I could, I know how to play this game. It's more like... No, like that's probably the smart play. Yeah. And, like I'll just, I'll just well, do, I'll play my role in the squad, and my role in the squad is uh, like you know putting down covering fire mm-hmm. or or whatever uh, Will at the time thinks is the best move. Well, and it's, I'm so, just, it's re- it, there's a relief with it where it's like, mm-hmm. oh yes. thank <laughs> Christ, I don't need to be who has to make this hard call. Somebody uh-huh. else gets to make this difficult call that could kill us all. And yep. like sometimes it's even okay to be like. You know what? We got killed on somebody else's call. That sucks, but I, at least it wasn't me. At least I didn't lead us <laughs> into disaster. And, and like, I, I'm being completely serious. Like there have definitely been times. Yeah, there's a risk reward thing. Like one of the bits that I think Patrick and I keep running into with me is when I'm behind the wheel of a car, I will <laughs> often see an opportunity to slam into somebody with my car, an enemy player, or to like spin out and like hop out the car and shoot people i think partially because our first kill ever came that way and it's just like Mm -hmm. i have a i have a deep feeling i want that stuff i want to relive our good times together son also in this world uh, patrick (laughs) is my son by the way that is just uh, (laughs) if you haven't been watching uh, breakfast and battlegrounds that is part of the the ongoing fiction um and so like that's one of those things it's like okay every time i get into the car I have to like tell myself out loud. I have to say to Patrick, okay, I won't slow down and try to get us into a gunfight <laughs> unless we agree to do that. But it's hard. It's, it's so tempting always to just get into that sort of thing because if it goes well, you feel great. If you make the aggressive call or if you say, okay, let's go hide behind that tree and that tree is the right place to be, it can feel incredible. But mm-hmm. if you do the other thing and say, oh, well, let's be hyper aggressive or let's be too conservative and it all falls apart. Like, oh, it just, you, you feel like a, a shitty leader. Uh, and I don't know. It's a, it's a new feeling for sure for me in games. Um, and, and I'm excited to keep playing it. I could yeah. keep the problem is I could keep talking about it forever. Like that. I know. I, I, I that <laughs> we should use that as a forced pivot to something else. Yes, let's actually <laughs> stop talking about this. Has anyone been doing anything else this week in terms of games, uh, or in terms of of, of anything else you want to talk about in the in the world of games? I'm excited to play this Crash Bandicoot remaster. Yeah. Yeah, it came out uh, today. Um, uh, as we're recording this, I I down I've downloaded it, but I have not had a chance to play it yet. But I have. Uh, I'm uh, Danielle. I know that you, you know, big fan of character platformers as yeah. am I. Um, I played a lot of the Crash Bandicoot games of the PS1 era. I sort of dipped out the moment Naughty Dog jumped off them and switched to Jack <laughs> and Daxter, and then yeah. I, I heard some of the PS2 ones made by were actually like solid games. I just pretty much played the first three on the on the PS1, and then essentially followed Naughty Dog, and then started playing the. I really enjoyed the first two Jack and Daxter games. I dropped off when they got to Jack X, which I think was the... The um, open world one, The right? open world, futuristic yeah. uh, uh, one, which I mean, some people stand by. But anyway, like, I, I have a deep reverence for the Crash games, but also have, like, very little memory of, like, what that reverence is other than... <laughs> you know what I mean? Where, like, some games you, yeah. can, you can pinpoint, here's what I loved about that game. I couldn't tell you what I loved about Crash other than, at the time... I liked the games, and I thought the commercials were hilarious because fuck Nintendo, ha ha ha, PlayStation rules. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some good commercials. You know? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Definitely threw things off of a... Uh roofs and and went you know went around with like loudspeakers yeah and the one was in front of the yes oh it's yep. such a classic commercial yep. classic can, can so i played like the demo for crash one and maybe a little bit of crash two uh, can somebody tell me what the appeal is and i don't i don't mean that facetiously facetiously and maybe it sounds like that but like I, I, so Danielle, you've explained, both of you have explained the, yes. the appeal of Banjo, uh, Kazooie as being about verticality and exploration and stuff like that. Um, I understand the appeal of, uh, you know, Mario 3. Like, I, I, even though I'm not a big platformer fan, um, I like, oh, okay, I get what this game does well. What is the appeal of the Crash games? What's, what do I they do they- really well? I think one of the things they did really well, and again, this is uh, several years of memory. This is not something I've replayed recently right. like Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, so if, if I'm remembering correctly, they kind of toe a line between the tighter sort of design from a 2D platformer that's like, you know, tight jumping. It feels good to jump. Obstacle courses that are that are very directed, uh, especially as opposed to something like Mario 64 or Banjo-Kazooie, which were much more about exploration. Right. You could go to all those little nooks and crannies and do all that sort of thing. This was a much more directed sort of what, 3D platform. So wait, what's an example of like, linear. what are you describing as an example of, of that more traditional 2D like linear are you just like a, like a super mario game like a sonic game or yeah like a super mario or a sonic okay. or, or something that you know there's kind of a clear path or one or two clear paths through a level okay. mario obviously is a little bit more open uh than a sonic or something like that but this felt much more directed to me it wasn't like oh you, you, if i'm recalling correctly you didn't really have like a, a camera you could pull way 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 back no i don't Things think you had any felt, at least in the yeah, first game no, I mean, you didn't have any camera control there was no dual shock right. yet even right like there was just oh there god was no that's analog, right, yeah. analog controls i think by the time the first crash came out so you knew where to go basically right. you you knew exactly what the game expected of you whereas in mario 64 at least in some levels and mario 64 definitely toes the line there are some stages that are much more about exploration there are some stages that are much more about no you, you kind of know where to go they're directing your eye in certain ways this was always you know exactly where to go you know exactly what to do now go do it and it was tight it was pretty tightly designed around that okay i can i can see the appeal and well, this, you have to remember this came out the uh, the same year as Super Mario sixty four. Sure, so That's right. Oh um, my god, yeah. So in in some ways, where Super Mario sixty four was like revolutionizing and redefining what it meant to be a platformer with the advent of sort of like three D spaces and polygons and like this this new technology that was uh, afforded by the PlayStation and the N sixty four Crash Bandicoot was like, what if like what if we kind of just kept on the same track, right? Like and so. <laughs> So even though yeah. like it switches the perspective, right? Like the perspective is not left to right, it's it's front to back, but it's essentially left to right, but just sort of like shifted from horizontal to, to mm. vertical in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um and so it was it was more or less like taking very traditional hardcore like these games are a lot from what I understand and from what actually what I've been reading, because like in my memory, these games were a lot harder than when, what people think they are for sort of yeah. like the cutesy personality that it has. Like this isn't necessarily like a spyro. Like I also love the spyro games, but those aren't like super hardcore platformers. Right. Um, um and nor is Super Mario sixty four. Like it's it's a very it's a challenging, it's an interesting game, but it's it is different than 
like you know, like part of the reason people uh, responded so much to Super Mario Sunshine's hidden stages was because they were for the first time Nintendo returning to after a number of years like really hardcore difficult platforming mm-hmm. because Nintendo's yeah. design ethos just went in a different direction. And Crash Bandicoot kind of kept on a, a similar path that had already been uh, well trodden, which was like hardcore platforming, uh, like specific path in which like the secrets. Uh, are are there are secrets in the Crash Bandicoot games? Like there is like collecting things you can do, but it's like very dense within a tight space as opposed to Super yeah. Mario sixty four, which right. and Banjo Kazooie, which we're saying here are giant wide open spaces that that do have a density, but that density is packed into like specific spaces in a larger uh, uh, worldscape. And so I think part of the appeal of Crash Bandicoot was like, hey, did you like that thing we were doing before? Like we're doing more of that, but like it's with polygons. And and Crash was an appealing <laughs> character. Like he like. He had a lot of personality, and he was funny, and this was before sort of like character action games went off a cliff um, right. um, in the PS1 era. Right. I'm yeah. I'm very curious to see how they hold up and, and what people feel about them now that there's a chance to go back and play them. Like, And also how those re- remasters, or are they just ports? Like, what's the... They, there is not a single line of code from the original games. Like, they... Oh, they, wow. They... The Vicarious Visions, um, a studio that doesn't get a lot of credit for, or not, I should say, enough credit for a lot of the cool stuff they've done uh, over the years. Go back and check out Guitar Hero for the DS, which is a fucking weird, oh interesting game that uh, Vicarious Visions worked on. They've done a, if you go look at Vicarious Visions, like, like, uh, gameography, they've worked on some weird shit over the years. Um, but they're a very talented, interesting studio, and so their approach to this was not just to, um, do a, like a typical remake or remaster. Um, I don't know the technical reasons that they didn't use the original code, or if because what they wanted to do with so... the re, with the remake was was it where it just didn't make sense to to use that original code. I'm sure there's an interview that um, probably elaborates more. But either way, yeah, it uses no code, and I mean it's it's oh wow, it's not just it's not just high res textures like the animation. Yeah, I'm looking at is, it now. It looks gorgeous. It's yeah, yeah it looks really really good. It it does. The thing that it sounds like Sony's also going to try and do with uh, Shadow of the Colossus, which is um, mm. is is taking a game that uh, from your memory, and when you go back to revisit it, you know it gets a little weird because uh-huh. like, oh right, like that fuzzy nostalgia in my brain had masked over like some of how <laughs> this game has aged, uh, whether it's mechanically or aesthetically. Um, and and in, in, in this case, they. I, I think this may be something we see a little more often if, if like, Shadow of the Colossus and Crash are maybe an indication of, of the future is uh, finding a way to match that fuzziness to what you act, what that game could look like totally. now um, and, and trying to bridge that gap. Even just looking bit. at this, one of the things that stands out about the original Crash Bandicoot games is that, like, Crash is really expressive. Like, mm-hmm. he's goofy looking, he smiles in, in a funny way, he kind of, like, scowls every now and then or, like, raises an eyebrow. And the new one, it's like continuing that in a way that can only happen now where it looks just like you know I, you hear the like oh it looks like a pixar movie and i'm not saying that but it at least looks like a dream dreamworks movie like <laughs> it definitely has like really intense good facial animation that just could not have been Those achieved eyebrows then, but like yeah. but it, it evokes that same feeling that it may have evoked back then so nice work uh, on the looks at least i'm very curious to see what y'all feel about this yeah, uh, i kind of can't wait to to get in on this myself i bet it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun fun uh platformery weekend you yeah. know because i consider breath of the wild to be right as much a platformer <laughs> yeah. as, I got you. as anything else at least the way i play it so. can i ask you a very important question how yes. how are crash bandicoot and uh, uh the tasmanian devil related are they like cousins is it like a um are they like yes. mothers? like what's their they're like fifth cousins the exes okay you fifth know. cousins got it they're, are they exes is that what uh, yeah i don't know. they have a lot of the same moves like maybe they did the spin maybe like back in the day 
Taz taught Crash how to do this cool spin move. I I don't know. You know, that's a that's also a good theory. I think you know we could we could work with that. Yeah, you let we me know. You do some research on how right, I'll, Taz I'll the Tasmanian Devil. I'll ask him when I play the game. You'll ask you know? Crash. Ask Crash. Yeah. That's our new segment. Ask Crash. Ask Crash. Also, Ask Crack. <laughs> that's also our new. You segment. know, that's the other part of the segment. Right. That's fine. God. All right. We should go to the uh, the old question bucket before we get out of here for our for our long, beautiful uh, uh, break. Our crash weekend. Our crash. Yeah. Our crash weekend. This one comes in from Patrick. If you have questions, you can send them to gamingadvice.com. I just realized I should say that out loud. Uh, if you have questions or comments, send them to gaming at at, at uh, advice.com. This one comes in from Patrick, who says, uh, mm. "I got a little. I got from you, Patrick, uh, <laughs> Thank you. from Illinois, from Oak, from Oak what? Park, Illinois. Is that close to you?" Yes. I'm okay. Gonna, I'm not going to I'm not gonna give that information, okay. but it, it's a, Oak Park is a place in Illinois. I'll tell okay. you that. Have you ever been to Oak Park? Yes. Okay. Did you write this letter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't I got, think so. Okay, I got a little behind the podcast schedule because I was flooded with E3 podcasts. So, so I just listened to episode 74, Purloin Your Pokemon. My main <laughs> reason for writing is, uh, is to share that Japanese has what I view to be the best phrase to describe the humid weather. Uh, Patrick, just so you know, we did a whole thing on humid weather and but the ah. best word for humidity is and like – you know, like, is it, is it oppressive? Is it, uh, what were some other ones, Danielle? Muggy. Muggy. I think oh, it was our like favorite. muggy, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a so, good word. So in swampy. Swampy. Yeah. So in Japanese, mm. there's mushi atsui, which translates to bug hot. I think that's oh, pretty great. I apologize that's if a bunch of people already sent you this info. No one else sent us that info. Unfor- unfortunately, because it's a damn good. That's piece of info also the way the mouth feel of that word is really yeah, good mushi atsui. mushi even atsui also bug hot bug hot oh. has good mouth feel too yeah, mushi atsui seems like the words i will say after someone tracks me down kills me and i'm bleeding <laughs> out in the alleys uh-huh. mushi atsui <laughs> bug hot. Who did it. and that's bug it hot. and that's and it yeah yeah and the killer will respond Bug hot? <laughs> bug hot. Yeah, exactly. And then and then they'll be like, oh yeah, bug hot. Uh let's let's dip deep into the bucket for this next one. I just realized it's Friday. Oh, We're supposed yeah. to be going deep into the bucket, but I, I wanted deep to bring buckets. up that bug hot one before it slipped through our through, through the cracks. Give me a number from one to uh hundred and so. Uh thirty five. Thirty five. Oh, I'm sorry. Thirty five, you said. I'm sorry. Right? I took yeah. it. I took it from you. All it's right. fine. It's fine. You can have the next one. This one comes in one. from Rebecca, who says, I'm so glad you talked about JRPGs this week, and I wanted to ask a question about what grinding and other tedious activities bring to a game. You talked about The Witcher and Morrowind and making your own tasks and finding your own fun in games, and I wanted to ask how grinding and tedium bring values to games, if at all. Is there value itself in, experience, uh, in the experience of having to complete hours of grinding or making outside spreadsheets for games? How does grinding in games fit into broader ideas about story versus endless quests in games like Skyrim or The Witcher, where players want hashtag content that's story-related rather than another excuse to engage with game mechanics? Keep the great work. It is. This has been the highlight of my week, bi-weekly. Sincerely, someone who enjoys playing Harvest Moon with Excel sheets and multiple handwritten notes. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. Uh, so, yeah, think, what do y'all think? I think if there's a satisfaction to it, then it's fine. Yeah. I, I think if you find, if that's the way you want to play, like, I am not here to judge. I, I put whatever 50, 60-something hours into Prey, which nobody else mm-hmm. did, and I definitely sort of made, like, almost... I didn't have to draw out a map, but I definitely have a mental map of, like, every room in that space station and that sort of thing. And I've played so much of Zelda, and I find a satisfaction in that. Some people might find that very boring. I've been going around trying to sort of farm things in Breath of the Wild. Like, oh, yes, I want every kind of staminolka, whatever it's called, Mm -hmm. salmon. Or I want to find the best place to find frogs. 
think a lot of people would find that incredibly boring and maybe even grindy, but I want all that stuff. I find right. a satisfaction in that. I find a comfort in playing that game every night, you know, even if it's just to run around and find mushrooms right. or whatever it is. So, yeah, I think it's a, if you find a per- personal satisfaction in making spreadsheets, you feel that that enhances your enjoyment of the game, even if it's not exciting in the moment. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> For me, there's definitely like um, a range of how different games handle this, where, uh, you know, I was just seeing someone talk about it in, in relation to um final fantasy uh uh 14 the mmo Uh, i think it was i think it was todd harper uh, who's a games academic was saying that it is interesting how um that's a game where you know the, the most interesting parts are the story bits uh but the only way to level up is to is to kind of go out and and redo old content right you go out and you do instance content of, uh, and that's where you get most of your xp from so that you can level up and because it's a game where you don't repeat you you just have one character who can become all the different classes and level them up independently you're not like starting a new character and going through the quest line again you're just rerunning the same instance content over and over and over again but for whatever reason like that seems to work for most players um and i and i compare that or contrast that to like early mmos like everquest where like basically all you did was run around and kill things and like you're basically still running around and killing things in both of those cases you know in one mmo you might be killing you might it might take you a hundred you know wolf kills to level up and in another mmo you might repeat the quest to kill 10 wolves 10 times to level up but for different players that that dressing can mean a lot um i mentioned fantasy life before and the way that leveling up your class in your job in fantasy life was that you had to complete these little t- tasks so like if you were uh you know a, a fighter a warrior or whatever it might be um you know, kill five goblins will give you a certain amount of points towards your job level up. And then, you know, defeat the dragon might give you an additional set of points to do that. Or if you're a miner, it might mean you have to mine, you know, 30 quartz. And then there's another level that's like, go find five rare minerals. Um, and the way that, that was subdivided made that so much more digestible because you were doing these little chunks of of content that then you got a little checkbox for that said, hey, you're working, you're making progress, you're doing it. And every little bit doesn't necessarily count. Like It's not like killing a goblin by itself will always advance you to your goal, but you checked the box that said killed five goblins. Now you get to like put that all over to the side and focus on the dragon now. And that weird subdivision just made that game so consumable to me in a way that it, if there had just been like oh everything you do gives you xp towards your job would not have worked for me because that would have felt like grinding um so yeah i'm really interested in how games subdivide out the rewards like what the reward schedules are so to speak um like that's that's definitely something i pay attention to i can't remember i don't play a ton of games with traditional lots of yeah i played lots of jrpgs as a as a kid like where the grinding was appealing because I had a summer to fill. Yes. You know, yes. like when I, so it's like Final Fantasy VII, it was, you know, one of the only games in which I've maxed out the clock, you know, right. 999999, right. because in order to do everything to get the, you know, Knights of the Round Table and, and things like it's that. Like, like max I, out all your materia, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just like, I was like doing, I was grinding things just for the sake of doing it, not because it actually was meaningfully <laughs> uh, uh, like advancing anything of the game. It was just a thing to do because I yeah. had time to fill. A um, Tuesday, a Tuesday as a kid, as a teen, 
where you've gone from like level 78 to to 85 feels like you did something that day yeah <laughs> even yeah. though you could have beat that level at or that game at level 70 or whatever you know like it still just it felt good uh whereas these days I, I'm trying, the last game that i played that really felt like it had a grind and that i uh enjoyed was uh destiny when i joined in mm. uh for the taken king expansion in which you know the actual sort of like you know original like strikes or missions that you're going on you you work through pretty quickly and then what becomes part of the daily routine for that game is is playing that stuff with like slight variations um over and over again in order to get um either different materials or or different drops that can hopefully get you better weapons and right uh they're to make a grind interesting and to make something repeatable and still be fun like there is a a craft to that that is not, you know, is difficult to appreciate until you actually experience it yourself. And, I mean, I played lots of the Taken King long beyond, you know, having experienced the quote-unquote content that they had made for it. Right. And I was mostly just running things over and over again. Oh, here's the Night Strike that's available, you know, uh, tonight. I'll, I'll run that a couple of times and, and see what happens. And I, I enjoyed the treadmill aspect of, of Destiny. And I think for some people, like, they – if there's a certain loop that is just that feels satisfying, like you're okay doing it over and over again because there's a comfort in the loop itself, even if yeah. you can understand the criticism of that loop and say mm-hmm. like, yeah, like the loop is probably kind of boring, but like sometimes boring is what you're looking for. Like maybe you don't want to sit down and learn something brand new or be challenged all that much. You're just like, I kind of like how this thing works and I know what it does and that's fine with me. Right. Yeah, I I am definitely of that mind. So, hoping that Destiny Two does not drop the ball regarding <laughs> regarding that, and actually maybe improves on that model a little bit. That's my I don't know. That's what I'm holding out hope for. Let's do one more, Patrick. Give me a number. You said up to a hundred and what? Hundred and I think it's like hundred and twenty or something. I'm scrolling down. It's very long. Uh, you know, it's not even. We're actually under a hundred. We have it down to ninety one. What about sixty nine? Nice. Oh, nice! I got you. I see what you're saying. Nice, nice. Uh huh. Nice, nice. I hope this is a good question. This one's from Christian. Uh, Ooh, hey, Christian, hey. sixty nine. <laughs> it does say sixty nine, Christian. It does say that on my screen. Oh, uh, hello, Austin, Patrick, Danielle, and whoever else might be there. So listen, oh. we got a good one. This already had all of our names in it. My question concerns your individual aha moments within the realm of video games journalism. Specifically, what led you to strive towards discussing video games in a more cerebral and serious manner versus simply reporting on games and their pros and cons? I vividly remember reading my first Tom Bissell article and having it completely morph the way I thought about games as a medium and led me to have one of the best experiences within a game, Spec Ops The Line. Ever since, I've been drawn to areas like the now-defunct MediumDifficulty.com and other similar sites that proliferated terms like literary narrative into the public sphere and extrapolated on the messages games send. I'm aware the Waypoint mission statement concerns itself with the society and culture of gaming, but I'm more interested in the individual strings that you followed to where you are now and any specific causes you may be championing. Championing. Thanks for uh, thanks you all for providing such excellent content. Much love, Christian. Is there any like specific piece that that or or, or event that made made you step go from I'm gonna give this game an eight to like what is this game doing? Which, again, as always, like, I don't mean that to degrade or dismiss, I'm going to give this game an 8. I do really do believe that that serves a certain purpose. There are definitely late nights where I've, like, worked all day and I come home and I'm like, oh, how did Valkyria Revolution turn? Oh, boy, bad, huh? Four? Four out of ten? Uh-oh. Like, yeah, I've, I've, I've been not, in that I'm, place. I'm not above 
Nope. Uh, scrolling to an IGN review and then going straight to the bottom and just saying like, "Yo, just give me that conclusion." Like I just yep. don't. I just. <laughs> I just I, think I, I'm sure you spent time on this, and I don't mean to denigrate your craft because look, man, I do this shit for a living too. But just give me that that 80 words. Like, am I spending is it good? dollars? Yeah. Yep. Like what? What? I'm beat. I just want to know. I'm curious. Satisfy. <laughs> satisfy my curiosity. How's the gameplay? Yeah. What's the gameplay the, score? What's, Give me that gameplay score. How are the graphics? Are the controls tight? Is it? Uh, do you have electric face? What was it? Was that old Game Pro? Yeah, it was like, Game Pro. Had, like, five, five was face. electric face. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Give me that electric face. <laughs> it's funny because I, I think part of the reason I went down this path was, one, that games just started... Uh, mm. I, I'm growing up with games as they're getting complex in a way that aligned with sort of like life changes. Um, uh, you know, like it just seemed like as I was like hitting my late twenties and you know entering my thirties, and uh, games were talking about topics that were more relevant to sort of my real life. And 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 I guess to be more pragmatic about it, like I intend to do this for a long time. You know, like yeah. God willing, and I can't. Like I need something more to grasp onto if I'm going to find a way to not only uh, find things to write about, but to be happy and interested. And in order to, in order to do that, I I needed to start finding a depth to games that went beyond the stuff I had done for years when I got started, because those what I that's what I've been trained on, um, and that's what um, I was used to. But like I needed to find a depth. I needed to find other things to sink my my teeth and my my brain into because that's just not if i start thinking about where i'm at when i'm 45 right like, I, I i need to i need to be looking further and like what, what is going to motivate me to be interested in getting up every morning and doing this you know 15 years from now and it's it's things yeah. like that yeah yeah how about Absolutely. you danielle well, I made this uh, life choice to go to graduate school, which ah. was maybe not the most uh, intelligent uh, economic choice uh, for myself to make, especially not in the field that I sort of went to grad school for. <laughs> I went to film school at, at, for my master's, right. and that was, yeah. Uh, but anyway, that came with a whole bunch of, I was a production student, but that came alongside a lot of, you know, sort of visual studies, visual culture mm. courses that kind of made me have to think in that fashion about entertainment in general. And so I sort of... Started, you know, I, I would never consider myself a games academic or an academic person, uh, even though I you teach, teach college. Yeah, I know, what? but I'm not an academic. I teach practice. I don't really mm, teach mm. studies that much. But I had to take the studies classes, yeah. and I enjoyed them, and I had fun, and I, it certainly made me think in a certain way, and it made me sort of assign a lot of value to thinking in that way, and assign a lot of value to sort of the cultural messages that are imparted by literally everything in your life, including ads and that sort of thing. Right. Uh, so. I started thinking that way, and that came right around the same time a lot of the sort of brainy gainer, gamer sphere was starting up. Like, I sure. started grad school in 2006, which I think is right around kind of when that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was all the blogs. A, a whole confluence of people who were writing, like, really intelligent, really, really, really smart things about games and what games kind of meant. And that was at that that peak, that peak of the middle 2000s where a lot of this stuff was very new and very... This was before we were lamenting every two years that everybody said, oh, we don't have a history of game criticism. <laughs> you know, this is the first time that that felt like it was happening in a in a large way. Yeah. So that, was, that all kind of came together at the right time for me. I, I definitely feel like I 
had been writing up this way about games for since I was a kid and was trying to justify why I connected to games so much. Like totally. I absolutely yeah. wrote in, uh, you know, junior high or something about the the morality system of Bushido Blade, right? Like, yeah. which was about as much justification for me in the time I was spending as it was like the authority figures in my life who knew that, like. Oh, Austin's so smart, but he plays games nonstop. You know, like definitely oh, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, and then like took an arc to where I moved away from that particular style of writing and instead towards a little bit closer to what I do now, which is like assume that these things are important, but definitely was, and I've said this before, like kind of a prick about it and kind of just like very, my writing was like very like, I don't care if it doesn't have an audience. I'm writing, I'm writing the capital T truth and, uh, <laughs> and a lot of that came probably from, or like the capital T truth slash my own take and my own, my own personal story. And like a lot of that probably came from really loving at the time, like the, the rise of new games journalism, you know, the Kieran Gillens and the Tim Rogers and the like, all of the sort of like very personal narrative meets kind of, low level or not even low level but like um like personal life philosophy stuff right um that didn't have a word count and went on way too long and <laughs> and found an audience in other young people who were just desperate to read 8000 words on Super Mario Brothers 3 like and that was me and so that stuff started to push me into thinking about that was like, let me just barf onto this page. Let me just get every thought out, which was an important <laughs> step for me, for sure. And I think there is still value in that stuff. Like, I still look at that stuff from time to time and find phrases that are really good. Um, and then it was probably writers like Jeff Green and, and Guy Kroll, uh, people like Robert Ashley, um, Sean Elliott, who pushed my focus to get tighter and to say, like, what do you say in 1,200 words? What do you say in 800 words? Um, I think I was actually pretty good at that for a little while. And then I went to grad school and it all blew up again because suddenly I was writing 35,000 words and 50,000 words. Uh, <laughs> but, and then eventually, like, I think it just kind of wrapped back around. And, like, all of Turn those this things. boy into a blogger. And then, and then now I'm back. <laughs> yeah. I'm back trying to blog again. And it's hard. It's hard, man. Uh, well, I'll get there, Patrick. I'll get there. I, I, there's I, so I've many got, people. I have, I have six whole You got months. it. You can do by the end of the year, I'll be blogging. First, you There's just, already been progress. You gotta There's give already me been plenty of progress. any time so that I can blo- the <laughs> things that I've write have written recently have been bloggier with a few exceptions, but I just don't have writing time at all right now. So um and then you know the just the thing is like I could just name so many people who helped me and pushed me and helped shape my voice. Like obviously being a giant bomb and working with people like Brad Shoemaker and Alex Navarro and Jeff Gersman helped me a lot as a writer. Like being able to to show stuff now to Patrick and Danielle and get input helps a lot. Like I think about people like Cameron Kunzelman, who is one of our columnists, like Cameron is the one who got me a gig at Paste, right? Like a freelance gig at Paste. Like Cameron was the one who was like, oh, I really want to write, co-write this with Austin. And that was the first piece I wrote on Paste was like, I think that might have been the Indie 3. We wrote about Indie 3 together. Uh, and then from there, I got to write about Twitch culture and labor. And then I got to write about games criticism from there. And so like, there are so many people who I'm grateful for who both either materially helped me by like giving me opportunities or influenced my writing because I read theirs and was like, yo, this is actually the shit. Like, this is that shit for real. Um, and uh, there's just, like too many to name. And uh, I guess my, my thought is just find that inspiration where you can. Um, and, and like hone in on, on what you like about someone else's work if you're going that route. Uh, and then, and then do your best not to just mimic it. Like find, 
you'll find a phrase that maybe you think isn't what someone else would write, but like sticks in your brain a little bit. Let it stick in your brain. Like be a little more conversational or a little more formal or a little more whatever. Like find what that voice is and then work on it for yourself. That's, I think, has worked for, for all three of us, uh, for sure. Yeah. So that's my advice. I think that's going to also Barth reading, uh, reading, uh, Barth's mythologies. This is actually ah! 100% true. It's like reading, um, Barth's chapter on professional wrestling, uh, was like, Oh shit. Like I could write about anything and be smart about it. Fuck. Yeah. Let's do it. So that's, <laughs> that's my other one is like finding people who write about pop culture broadly in interesting ways. So like sites like Grantland were huge for me when I was in like grad school was like, Oh, they're writing about you know, professional wrestling or they're writing about, you know, advertising in a way that's really, or sports, obviously, in a way that's really intriguing and thoughtful and often political or at least engaged with the wider world. That stuff is huge. Like, find stuff that isn't just games journalism. I say it a lot, but I'm going to say it again. Find stuff that isn't just games journalism to read and take inspiration from. It, it, it will help you a lot. All right. That is going to do it. If you have questions, you can send them to gamingadvice.com. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Austin underscore Walker. Danielle, what about you? Danielle R.I., also known as Auntie Knuckles. Auntie Knuckles, thank you for joining me yesterday on Breakfast in Battlegrounds and watching me kill some people <laughs> with Uzis. Patrick, what about you? You can find me at Patrick Klepek. You can also find Patrick out on that, that murder island, on that great big murder island in the computer mm. sky, mm. killing people. <laughs> uh, you can find everything we do at waypointadvice.com. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypoint, youtube.com. Nope. Facebook.com slash Waypoint Vice. YouTube.com slash Waypoint Vice. Uh, you can find the archives that we did of our Battleground streams. The ones from this week, I think, are not up yet because our production team has been super busy working on another project. Uh, but the, if you missed the earlier ones, if you enjoyed Patrick and me talking about Battleground... They should be on Twitch, though. They should all be on yeah. Twitch. That is true. Yeah. So you go to Twitch and find the, the archives there or find them at uh, YouTube.com slash Waypoint Vice for the older ones. So check those out. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, I want everyone to have a safe holiday weekend if you're in the U.S. I want everyone to have a safe non-holiday weekend if you're not in the U.S. <laughs> I want everyone to relax and rest and just feel feel good about something. Find something to feel good about. That's what I'm going to say. Thanks to Tim Barnes for producing this, probably. Tim Barnes451 on Twitter. And thanks to Bowen for letting us use his track, Miss You, off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more info about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Danielle. What do we say to him? Be good or be good at it. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.